Hey, welcome to the Happy Rant Podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined, as always, in studio by my good friend, my partner in radio, Ronald J. Martin. Um, baby, I was going to do the big reformatory intro, and I uh, I totally forgot because we, we got so deep into conversation for the last 20 minutes. Um, it may have been the most pre-show prep we ever did that had nothing to do that with had the nothing show. to do with the program at all. So you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna just lead us in again, and we're gonna keep all this into the program. But I'm gonna I'm gonna actually count us in again, and uh, and do the reformatory intro. Okay, you ready? I like it. I like okay, it. Okay, ready in five, four, three. Hey, welcome to the reformatory podcast. I am Ted Cluck, joined as always in studio. By my good friend, my partner in weird early two thousands internet television, Ronald J. Martin. Um, baby, it's just you and me today. Piper is a—he's a busy man. He's a busy man of the cloth, doing ministry things this morning. He is this week, isn't he? He is it's this a weird week. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Usually, if anybody's ever on the podcast, it's Pipe. Yes, I know. Pipe is consistent. He's the—he's the Cal Ripken Jr. of this podcast. But uh, but he's gone today, which means it's you and me, and we get to do. The thing that we like to do most in this world, which is talk about glum, sentimental stuff together. Um, so we're going to do that, man. We're going we're gonna to dive headlong into all things glum and sentimental. But before we do that, uh, I want to talk about a thing that's the opposite of glum, and it's the Dwell Bible app. Uh, Dwell Bible is an app that you can get on your smartphone where they read the Bible out loud to you. Um, Piper likes to talk about all the different cultural voices that you can choose on Dwell Bible. Um, you can, as Piper does, as yes. Piper does, and uh, I, I like that too. I think it's great, but I, I don't quite think it's as great as Piper does. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I'm not as enamored with it as he is. But that's okay. At any rate, I do love Dwell Bible. Um, I do love all the options that they have, and I just love the aspect of any time, day or night, being able to have uh, the Bible read out loud to me. So uh, when I'm getting ready in the morning, when I'm driving in my car, feeling glum as I often am, um, I, I can have a little Bible in my headphones or in my car, and uh, it's really easy to get the app. Um, go to the App Store, type in Dwell Bible. Um, is there a discount for Happy Rant? I, this, this is the part I always screw up without pipe. Yeah, I know. Without, without, without having just the, uh, the, the, the king of the promo. professionalism. King of the promo. Yeah, the king of the promo, uh, Barnabas Pipe. Yeah, I'm not sure if we still have the promo or not, but I guess you could find out by typing in Happy Rant Pod, which I think is usually the code we have. I think it is. I think it is. Ron, that's good radio, man. Thank you for... Um, Absolutely. Yeah, just coming to, coming to the table with that. That was good. And uh, maybe let's get all the promo work out of the way right up front. Absolutely. Um, Redbud Coffee. It. Red, yeah. Redbud coffee is good coffee to drink. I had um, a cup this morning. It was awesome. I had a cup too, um, baby. I'm actually did you, just finishing one off right now. I'll tell you what I love about it. Yeah. Um, as much as the taste, yeah. I love the yeah. smell of it. Me too, dude. Yeah, I like to. Oh, man, it's, it's, a, it's a pleasing aroma. Yeah, like like cutting into the first bag of, of or the, the, the bag of coffee beans for the first time and getting that like fresh. One of the best smelling bags of coffee i'm not kidding that i've ever had yeah dude seriously it's really fragrant and then when you like grind the beans up it smells it smells equally oh, amazing but just in a little incredible. bit different way it like releases a little different um just a little different uh sensation there but um, i would buy it for the smell alone i would too and uh and, and in fact like i've got a bag dangling from the rearview mirror in my car it's kind of ob obstructive in the sense of like now i can't see a third of my uh windshield 
but um but my car smells amazing. It smells like red. Oh yeah. I mean I have some hang I mean I use it like I use it in the shower. I, yeah. I just, yeah. Like I, I want to smell like red bud coffee. Well absolutely. And and I, I think we, we need to work on some red bud coffee body wash. Um, absolutely. That, that, some red bud soap. Yeah, some red bud soap, some some red bud uh, cologne. They need to increase their product line, I think is what you're baby is baby, what you're getting at here. Answer this one for me. In in the world of like colognes and fragrances that we live in. Like, why have hipsters not sort of made a coffee fragrance so that they can smell like their favorite thing all the live long day? I don't think they have to because they always have a cup in their hands, so they just perpetually that's true <laughs> smell like it without trying. Dude, do you think here? Here's something else too. Not that this is turning into like Doctor Oz or WebMD or a health podcast, but do, don't you feel like don't you worry that hipsters are always dehydrated because they they drink coffee all the well, live long day yeah. and then they they switch to like you know, hoppy IPAs at like 6 p.m. And like never in that scenario are they getting anything hydrating. Yeah. Like I, I worry that their organs are going to shrivel up and, and, and just like crumble to pieces at some point. Yeah, I think we'll see that in about 50 years. Like right? we'll, see, we'll, see, <laughs> we'll see the damage that just the incessant yeah. like coffee drinking and the incessant like yeah. craft craft beering like has done to their their liver. Yeah, dude, from like heart. eight to five, it's coffee, and then from five to midnight, it's IPA. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's just like that's it's, a, it's a it's a recipe for good health in old age, man. Oh, absolutely. Well, hey, listen, this has been the the Happy Rant Health Podcast. This Ab- has been good, absolutely good health man. content by us. But yeah. uh, baby, we're we're not here to talk about. Physical health. We're we're here to talk about mental health. Uh, mental Absolutely. health, disappointment, and um, this was an idea that you brought to the table because we were kind of like not super enthused about going into our usual like commenting on the culture things, and and we, yeah. we were both feeling kind of burned out by that. And you had this amazing suggestion, which was, why don't we talk about our biggest disappointments? So professionally in life, whatever. Talk about the biggest disappointments and then talk about how how the Christian keeps from veering into, you know, despair, cynicism, bitterness in uh, in light of that, which I think is amazing. And I, I, I think for you and me, just kind of the way we're geared personality wise, um, I know that's always been a temptation and it still is, you know, yeah. um, it just as we navigate the the various ups and downs of life. So I'll, I'll throw it to you first, baby. Um Lay a big disappointment on us. Could be your biggest disappointment in life. And uh, yeah, kind of how you dealt with it. Yeah, I think, well, yeah, to set it up even a little bit, a little bit more by echoing what you already said, I think for us, I think what's one of the unique things about us and our friendship, I think this commonality that we share is that we, mm-hmm. we both are not doing the thing in life that we thought we were going to be doing. Yeah. You know, Long term, yeah. at least, you yep. know, like we spent a lot of time doing certain things and then God kind of led us down a path that we, that was unexpected. And so here yeah. we are today doing something that if you would have talked to us, you know, 25 years ago, we, we, you know, wouldn't have even been on in our vocabulary, you know, to even mention right. it. And right. so I think that's, so what that does is it kind of leads you back to say, well, when you go back 25 years, some of the things that you were doing or you were, you were cultivating or you were building towards like those things aren't happening anymore, at least in the way that you thought were going to be the thing that was going to sustain you through life. Mm-hmm. And so for me, it would have been, you know, somebody that devoted his life to, uh, to music, to songwriting, to recording, to touring and spending literally 20 to 25 years, like in this all out, um, just pursuit of my life. 
and then yeah. having it, you know, having it reach sort of an endpoint, at least in the way that I had been doing it for so long, which was it was my entire life. And then yeah. getting to a place where because of the nature of the music and what I did and the fact that it lacked a lot of commercial appeal, um, at some point it just wasn't able to sustain me long term into the future. And then, mm-hmm. you know, 15 to 20 years ago, God sort of leading me into, you know, onto a ministry path. But there is still like there, there's still the, the sense of, well, when I look at myself in the mirror, um, I still see somebody who is, you know, a creative, who is an artist, who's a songwriter. But now, given the vocation that I'm currently in, I, I don't have the time, the opportunity, maybe even the desire to like spend, you know, a lot of time pursuing that like I was yeah. able to in the past. And so there is a sense of disappointment in that because I yeah. feel like one of the most natural things about me which was being a, a songwriter and a lyricist and a performer like that has been that is have that that is something that I've had to to push aside um mm-hmm. because again it's just, it's just not something that God has has um you know enabled me to do in a way that is sustaining and so yeah. therefore I can't spend the kind of time that I used to or even at all on it and yeah. but it was the thing that came most natural to me and it was probably yeah. my greatest love yeah and so yeah. To, so to wrestle with something that was so natural so who I was in terms of how I felt God made me, and then to have to say, okay, I'm I'm just not in a place where that is something that I can pursue. It's a yeah. it's a wrestle in a lot of ways. It's something I have to deal with. And so I just thought when I look back at my life and I look back at your life, there's some parallels there with some of those. Oh, things. for sure, yeah, for and, sure. Um, and so I think for a lot of people, I don't talk about it a lot because when I mm-hmm. when I go into something new and I pursue something new, I really go all in on it. And part of yeah. going all in on it is not at least publicly sort of um dwelling on the dwelling on the past on the last thing yeah. because it's like no because that that's just going to clutter and just sort of obscure what it, what it is that I'm trying to do now into the future yeah. and so for a lot of people and I get a lot of I still get a lot of uh, I still get a lot of people from the old days and a lot of fans contacting me why don't you ever talk about music anymore are you still doing music do you have mm-hmm. plans to record new music it's like we just feel like man it was all music all the time and then at some point yeah. all of that just ended in your life and yeah. um, and it's like, well, I mean, it's complicated. The answer to that is yeah. complicated, but there is sure. a sense of disappointment um, yeah. that I I wrestle with in that. Yeah, yeah. Can I can I ask a follow up question? Yeah, absolutely. Was there a was there a period for you of like when you when you kind of came to the end of the music thing, or just deciding it was going to be the end? Because my my guess is you could have kept doing it, but it would have meant this kind of you know, pillar to post pride swallowing siege of, you know, continuing to work all the time and barely make it, et cetera, et cetera. So you, you decide to kind of pivot into ministry. Um, was there like a grieving process for you? Did you feel like a deep sense of sadness when you, when you made the shift kind of grieving the hopes and dreams of the music career? Like it, and, and here's the, here's the struggle that I have, baby. Yeah. Um, in a very, very, quantifiable way that my wife reminds me of often like my writing career it really it popped off and came to fruition in a big way like a much bigger way for me than for a lot of people that try to do it and 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 the same could be said of your music career but it just didn't pop off in quite as big a way as i wanted you know and and i think you and i share also the aspect of being at least at the beginning of stuff we're big dreamers and when I started writing, I never started writing thinking, 
oh, maybe I'll be, maybe I'll barely make it at this. Like I started writing thinking I'm going to crush it and I'm going to make, I'm going to make it huge. Um, and then, you know, coming to the end of that and realizing, you know, we did make it, uh, but barely, and I need to start, you know, making some moves here that are going to be best for my family long term. Um, was there like a sense of grief for you in that? Uh, or was, was there a process that you went through to kind of stave off bitterness as you think about your music career and, and kind of how it ended? Yeah. I mean, that's, I think that's, that's a definitive question. And I think, yeah, the answer yeah. is, I mean, I, the answer is, you know, all caps. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think the grieving process, there's probably still an aspect of it that's there. Um, yeah. but I think when something is so apart, like intrinsically a part of who you are, and then yep. for whatever reasons you have to pivot or you have to pursue something new or you have to or you have to be obedient to God because he's opening some doors as he's closing some other doors. I mean I yep. think I think to say that there w- if there wouldn't have been a grieving process it would have been a better indicator that um I was I was in the wrong field all those years. And yep. I, I don't I don't feel I was um but I also kind of going back to a point you made um you know in terms of like, you know, pursuing something and being all in and not thinking like, I'm just going to do this and it's going to be a hobby, but I'm going to do this and it's going to, you know, encompass my life and my identity. Like you don't do anything halfway, but, but also I think this, which is similar to you in your writing career is that, but I, Mm -hmm. but I also wanted to do exactly what I wanted to do. And I didn't make a lot of concessions towards, uh, you know, being, commercially viable. So the music yeah. I made was, it was always going to be appealing to a smaller, more niche group of, of people, of fans. Mm-hmm. And so there's a price to pay for that. There's a cost that comes with doing exactly what you want to do. I was blessed yeah. because I had a label and I had people that invested in that and let me do what I wanted. But at the same time, um, I wasn't going to become, um, you know, I, I wasn't going to be Switchfoot. I wasn't going to be <laughs> DC yeah, talk. Yeah, yeah. I wasn't going to be audio yeah. adrenaline. I wasn't right. going to, well, I wasn't going to do things that I despised, which, right. you know, I just laid out some of that. Nor and, should um, you. Right. And, yeah. um, but there's a cost that comes with that, which is called right. money, you know? Yeah. And, yeah. um, and, and being able to sustain yourself and your family. I was yeah. blessed because I was able to do kind of a very, you know, kind of avant garde, experimental, mm-hmm. kind of weird kind of music, for lack of a better way to yeah. put it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And still do fairly okay at it in terms of sustainability. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but again, it was something that, I, I chose I chose uh, artistic expression over commercial viability, and it always comes at a cost. Um, but yeah. at the same time, man, having that outlet and that artistic outlet, um, gosh, I, you know that that is something that is so that that is so part of who I am that to not have that as an expression, um, it's been man, it's been something super difficult. It's something that I pray about constantly. It's something yeah. that I'm even trying to figure out how I can reincorporate that back into yeah. my life as something that I feel like God has given me, you yeah. know. Um, but I have yeah. to. But it has to be interpreted different in my mind and in my heart. Um, it yeah. has to have a different. I have to be okay with the output and the outlet yep. that I now have, which is different than it may have been 20 years ago. Totally. And so, man, it's totally. a wrestle. It's a grief. Yeah. It's all of those things. And I think. Mm-hmm. Because I, I sort of put it at bay for so long, and I'm now trying to figure out some ways to to sort of, again, like reinvigorate that part of my life that's been lying dormant. Um, I got to yeah. figure out how that looks, just like I think how, how you probably have. Because I remember you saying, and this is this is the pivot back to you, I remember you saying, even a couple of years ago, you're saying, hey, um, I only want to do the kind of writing that I want to do, and I'm not interested in it 
if it means I have to do it as a means to, uh, you know, making some, some money or to doing it in a way that I think is going to sort of like increase my platform or give me more commercial viability. But you were saying it like, I just want to write for the love of writing. And if Mm -hmm. five people read it, if 5,000 people read it, it's, it just doesn't matter. I want to do it for the, for the love of the game. Yeah, totally. And, um, man, that's a, it's, it's one of those, I think, greatest strength is our greatest weakness kind of things. Because like you, I've always been really idealistic about the kinds of things that I've wanted to write. And I've always been just quite frankly, like just kind of a child, <laughs> like a simpleton about money. And, uh, but, but yeah, I, th- I think the result of that was always, I did do these things that I really wanted to do. And the times that I had to do stuff just for money, those ended up being the worst experiences in my career. Uh, in publishing some of these, For sure. you know, nightmarish ghostwriting, you know, kind of disappointments and and that sort of thing. Um, you know, wow. th- those were those were a challenge. The last one I did, you know, in, ca- in case he's listening, the last one was was a really good experience. So, um, but yeah, before it was it was a lot harder. And um, so I, I think the trade off that you make and the thing that I grieve, baby, is um, I loved the variety and the chase of doing new projects, ha- always having a new thing on the table as a writer, um, having stuff that I was getting excited about on the on the regular. And now as a professor, I, I really do love teaching. But I, I was telling somebody this the other day, actually, like um, being a professor in 2020, is it's just sort of like being an au pair to 60 <laughs> kids, you know? And like... Um, you you have this academic cycle of you know new semester break new semester but in a very real way nothing really changes unless you change it right and and in fact the changes that are happening are like these cultural shifts that you can't control anyway and um so i do i miss the i miss the newness i miss the independence the freedom i yes. think part of what i loved about being a writer was my time was my own um you know and i i worked really hard and I was always grinding, but at least it was on my own terms, you know, whereas if you work for somebody else, you just don't have that. And, you know, the Lord has been kind to grow my journalism program here at Union over the last five years. And as a result, I've got, you know, more kids with more needs and, you know, more schedules to look at. And yeah, you know, you're and, and you're experiencing the same thing in your church, right? So you probably have less bandwidth to think about music and I have less bandwidth to think about writing and I miss it. You know, I, I do miss, I miss that aspect of kind of being a a pirate and a free agent and being able to think about whatever I want to think about during the, well, yeah. And I think that's, I think that's a great point. I also think that like God has for me personally, he's given me outlets that are creative in nature um, that I enjoy doing, um, but they're not, they they don't they don't share much of a parallel with like songwriting and you know making music performing uh, yeah so I think one of those examples for me and I would love to hear how this plays out for you because you kind of just yeah. touched on it was um, so for me um, like writing you know so I've written four books two I've co-authored with you um, I, there's something about that I really enjoy I really enjoy the brainstorming process I kind of like the startup you know process of it when you're coming up with a new idea and you're saying hey would this 
you know, could, could this become something? Um, there's something about that process that shares a lot of similarities with songwriting. And I really like that. The actual writing part, um, I don't enjoy as much. It's kind of a mm. slog for me. So that's, mm-hmm. that's where it kind of ends for me. It's a little, it feels a little more like work at that point. Um, but yeah. the one thing that does share a lot with songwriting and performing is preaching for me. So I get, I get the same, I get the same rush. I have the same desire in terms of mm-hmm. preaching and speak in public speaking as I did when I was mm. songwriting and performing. So that, that exists to me as just in terms of like that kind of an outlet, um, as being somebody who likes to be in front of people who likes expressing himself, who likes yeah. communicating that that's kind of, that's, that's been, I wouldn't say equal, but it's been kind of a parallel experience for me with what I used to do with music yeah. And so God's been really kind to me in that, and that, man, that's been great. And I think a lot of the things I did as a performer prepared me for being a preacher and some yeah. of these things that you have to do in terms of, man, you have to be okay with being in front of people and speaking a lot and expressing yourself and being clear. I, like, I learned how to do a lot of those things um, in the old days that prepared me for, yeah. for later in life, which I didn't realize at the time it was doing. Um, the other thing though with writing, not so much except for in the, in the early stages of it when you're being creative and you're, you're, you're coming up with something from scratch, which is what I like to do with the creative yeah. process. But I'd, I'd be curious to hear from you what has been that for you in terms of, of writing. Yeah. So writing was a lot more of a thrill in the early days. And it was a thrill in part because, you know, when, when kind of the football dream had died um, it, to some degree, I feel like I discovered writing or writing discovered me. And, and in fact, the Lord just dropped it in my lap and, and kind of said, hey, like, you're good at this. You know, you should do it. So I think there were in the early years, there was a thrill every time I would write something good, you know, and it was a sense of, wow, I can do this. Um, it's not like that anymore. It, it, but and this is going to sound really glum. But I, I don't think anything is like that anymore. You know what I'm saying? I think the Absolutely. the nature of being the age that we are, and I was explaining this to somebody recently too, you you see things for what they actually are. You know how everything works. You know what I'm saying? So like you know how everything in the adult world works right now. Whether whether the adult world for you is ministry and a church context, for me it's academia. Like you see behind the curtain, you see how the sausage is made, so to speak, and you like it, it whittles away at a lot of your youthful exuberance and idealism because you just know kind of the process. So, so yeah, nothing is as thrilling anymore. Um, however, like there are, I, I, I do see the Lord giving me bits and pieces of like what I need to scratch those particular itches moving forward. Yes, and yes. I don't know if it's going to be writing. Like for me, one of the things that's the most satisfying right now is coaching. Yeah. Um, and being involved in football, still playing from time to time. Um, I, I found that I miss the, I miss the certainty of that. You know, football is the most modern thing. There's a scoreboard, there's literal boundaries. Like you, you always know where you stand. Um, I enjoy like hurting after a hard practice or a game. Um, I, I enjoy the like, uh, it's tactile. For, it's tactile. It's certain. You always know where you stand. It's, Honestly, it's yeah. it's funny. Like football is still a culture where people are comfortable joking around and being, for lack of a better term, inappropriate with each other. And yeah. uh, I I like that. You know, I mean, college 
college in 2020 is eggshell walking. Like you're just literally tiptoeing through it going, you know, Lord, help me to not say the wrong thing accidentally. And, <laughs> um, <laughs> you know, football is the opposite of that. You know, it's just a, it's just a bunch of crazy savage dudes. So, you know, the ability to like dip into that for a few hours every week has been, you know, honestly, it's like a little vacation. Well, and I it's think like that a little, and I think that's recharge. I think that's good. I think you said something that, that struck me, which was man, um, like the lack of thrill, um, and a, a lot, I think a lack of that initial thrill, I think that leads to, I mean, I think what you're describing is there, there's like a maturity in the way that you receive things and approach things now, whereas before the thrill was so strong that all you were really chasing was that initial thrill. Whereas now you can actually enjoy maybe sort of more of the, uh, the craft of the things yeah. that you, that you were doing rather than just, Hey, I actually get to do this or actually attained the ability to do this. And yep. now it's like, no, 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 I, I actually can be, because I'm older now and, mm. and the thrill has disappeared. Maybe, maybe I've become more disillusioned, but that's a, that can be a good word because it means that I'm not so, I'm not so confronted with the illusion of things and just chasing an illusion, something that is illusory and not exactly yeah. real because a thrill is just a thrill and a thrill disappears quickly. And now maybe yeah. it's that we can approach things with a little bit more of, of, of a maturity, which says, totally. you know, I can be slower at this, um, <clears throat> yeah. and I can let it. Um, I can let it. Uh, you know, I can let. Uh, you know, any any artistic. It, you know, we do these artistic things, and in in the old days, there was probably a franticness. So there was yes. a franticness oh, to my old day. You know, I mean, I was. Yeah. I made one record, one EP a year, plus touring, which was a. I mean, I just happened to be a prolific guy in general, but like it was yeah. a frantic pace. And yep. now when I look back, all I do is say, well, that was too rushed. That was too rushed. That was too rushed. It's like, I wish I would have done half the work and gained 50% more of the quality that was yeah, probably amen. lacking. And yep. so I think as you get older, you go, okay, I can slow down because mm -hmm. I'm not out there trying to prove myself like I was yeah. when I was younger. And I yep. think, and I, so this leads us into kind of being able to deal with the disappointment aspect mm -hmm. of some mm -hmm. of these things as well and to and again because i think man you know dealing with bitterness mm -hmm. i think those are i think those are things that we um fight for on a daily basis i don't know about you baby but like yeah i mean bitter you know as, as somebody who does artistic things what i've found yeah. so when i look into the music industry and i look at some of my some of my you know my comrades from the old days man you talk mm -hmm. to some of these guys i mean there oh, is yeah. such a high level of disillusionment in a bad way yeah. and bitterness yeah, yeah, yeah. and cynicism yeah. and it's like but but dude you got to fight against that you absolutely mm -hmm. daily got to pray through that you got to fight against yeah. that you got you can't you can't approach life as being somebody who believes in the sovereignty of god by thinking i didn't get what was my due oh amen yeah 100 percent. you know and i think i think for us probably the most embittering disappointing thing we ever dealt with was infertility mm -hmm. and it just quite quite frankly it it burned us to the ground both of us yeah and for a while after that it was just bad you know we were and and me in particular i was incredibly bitter incredibly cynical incredibly sinful in that period and in all kinds of tangible ways and i tell you the lord the Lord was kind to pursue me out of it. So, it, but it was painful. I mean, the, you know, the hound of heaven chasing me down, ripping me to pieces and, and bringing me to repentance. Um, 
Yeah, I mean, a brutal period, but ultimately it's the thing that's allowed me in perpetuity to to fight bitterness, you know, and, and to really be mindful of it now so that I'm not the older writer or ex-writer or academic who's just burned up and hollowed out and Absolutely. just bitter. Because it's it's all over our business, right? It's all over the academy. It's all over writing. I mean, our, our businesses are full of people who feel like they should have gotten more breaks and they deserve better. And, you know, so for the believer and, and especially for the believer in God's sovereignty, you know, being aware that a, I don't deserve better. Yes. B, everything I've gotten to do and write and promote. And every time I've gotten to speak, it's been a gift from the Lord. It really, really has been a mercy. And then realizing like, over the years, how he's brought those projects along and used them financially to sustain us and creatively to sustain me, you know, it does give me a sense that moving forward, I can just say, thank you, thank you, thank you. And if I never get to write again, it's okay. I'd like to write again. And I can ask the Lord, you know, Lord, bring me, bring me some kind of project, Absolutely. you know, and let, let it be the right one. Let it be something that helps sustain us financially if that's what we need. Um, and I find myself being a whole lot more peaceful about these projects and enjoying them more and just being more, way more grateful than I was at the beginning of the career. Now, when I look at infertility, it's still sad, right? There's still a Absolutely. tinge of sadness there, but it's not, it's not despairing, right? It's not like, putting my hand to my brow and going, where's God in this? Like I've seen God all over it and, and we've been blessed through our adoptions and, and the boys are incredible. But, um, but yeah, I think, I think every, every person probably has to see a dream die. Um, whether it's a professional thing or something in your family or even just getting married, staying married, whatever pe people, people see these dreams die all the time. And it's really the fight of faith, right? Um, to, to have that happen and then go, how do I keep worshiping? Um, well, yeah, I think, man, I, that's such a great point too. Cause I think we don't look at disappointment as being a grace. Whereas I think mm -hmm. God uses disappointment to destroy our idols. Um, he uses disappointment as a way for us to actually reflect on those things that we were pursuing at the level and pace we were pursuing them and saying, like, do you think that, ha do you think that what you're pursuing has has legs? Does it have some kind of lasting effect that you're looking at to sustain you? And when we see that it doesn't, um, we finally get to that point to where, you know, God replaces that disappointment with himself as a way to sort of create clarity in our in our minds and in our hearts to, um, you know, reevaluate our pursuits. So I think disappointment mm -hmm. can be a great thing because it exposes idols and then ultimately, hopefully, will destroy idols so that we can... Um, we can actually spend our time pursuing those things that I think are going to be, you know, what we would call, you know, kingdom driven and gospel driven. Mm -hmm. And, but I mean, but you have to, but those dream, but you have to like what you just said, I think really rightly so is we have to have those, those, those little deaths, all these little dreams, they have to, they have to go through their little deaths. We have to go through mm -hmm. our grieving period. We have to experience disappointment um, so that we can grow into something that's going to be what God always had intended for us. And, um, but man, it's a brutal process. Yeah, it's just a brutal really process. Is. 
It really, really, it really, really is. And, and I think part of this is, and this, this is where your ministry comes to the table and, and just some of the ways we've been blessed, you know, in our church here and, um, our church up there a little bit was, um, yeah, just sharing that with other people and, you know, being in the kind of place where people are honest about their struggles and where their personas aren't so curated that, um, you know, that we're always trying to impress each other. And I, I, I think one of the things we talked about a lot in our marriage is just this aspect of as we're, as we're lamenting stuff that's fallen through, right. Um, you know, whether it's the movie not getting done on time or a script not selling or whatever, whatever the case may be. Right. Um, you know, KK reminds me often there would be a way for you to curate your life so that people look at what you've done and they're just in awe of how amazing our life is. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Um, and like, woe to us if we do that because it would be fake and not an accurate representation of where our hearts are and where we are. Um, but the temptation is always there, right? But Absolutely. What a, bless- what a blessing for us to be in a church where, and this comes from the pulpit, it comes from the front, where our, our leadership is honest about their sins and their struggles and um, pointing us to the cross week by week. Um, it's it's huge, man. And I, I dare say, apart from that, apart from that kind of input, we would be floundering. Uh, we would still be floundering with, uh, with these disappointments of life, because when you are an emotional person and you are a person who's given to like a little bit of maudlin, you know, that can really take over, you know? Right. I mean, when, I mean, you know, like when, when have we ever seen somebody who's able to curate their lives to a point of like total self-satisfaction? Like when does that ever end? When does that ever go? Right. When does that (laughs) ever end well? Right. And it's like, yeah. So you just mentioned the cross and the cross was God's plan of sort of de or uncurating our lives, right? Yeah. Um, the cross is necessary because we try to curate our lives. Um, mm-hmm. And it never ends well, right? Because again, yep. at the end of the day, we are our own gods and we, we are the ones mm-hmm. that are seeking our own glory. And we are the ones that want to receive the praise and yep. the, uh, the affirmation and, mm-hmm. you know, all the self-worth that we can only find from the cross. And so yeah. again, disappointment, um, is actually God's grace and coming in and saying, hey, look what happens when you pursue that. And guess what? Um, even if you do reach some of these goals, even if you do reach some of these like, 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 uh, you know, these, uh, these, these cultural points of like, you know, self-affirmation that make you feel like, hey, I'm an accomplished person. I've actually yeah. done the things I've wanted to do. You know, you wake up the next morning like everybody else feeling like it's not enough and now I got to maintain it or I got to, you know, go to the next rung on the ladder. And there is just, there is this exhaustion yeah. that sets in that leaves you not a person of, of you know, restful peace in, in the Lord, yeah, but yeah. somebody that is, yeah, yeah. That is just... um Man, that's that's living how the world lives, which is just in a ball oh, totally. of anxiety and totally. um, you know, and chaos. Yeah. Dude, it's interesting how none of our achievements can prop us up, right? So I come home from work yesterday and I've had a horrible day and I'm addled with like anxiety and despair about this this part of my job. And if KK had said to me, but yeah, your football memoir was the Michigan Notable Book in 2008. You should feel good about that. <laughs> I mean, it would be it would be the most ridiculous thing ever, right? Yeah, because it's like, um, how does that help me? 
How, how does that help me? That but does yeah, nothing it's a for thing me. That, it's yeah, it's a thing that, like, maybe somebody from the outside would look at it and go, you know, hey, you've you've done 25 books. Like, you've done okay. And But, but yeah, it doesn't work, right? It doesn't work in the moment ever. It's to ineffective. Prop. It's, totally it's ineffective. ineffective. Yeah. yeah, it's totally ineffective. But, uh, baby, this has been uh, this has been good. This has been a fascinating talk. And uh, I always enjoy these uh, these these deep dives into our psyches when we're when we're able to do this. So how come we can only um, do it without pipe, baby? That's the question, baby. I don't know. I don't know. Um, we need to bring pipe into this. We, we need to get Piper. We need to get him like to access his emotions a little bit more. Yeah, and, is that uh, possible? Are we- I don't know, man. Yeah, I don't know. Pipe's a pipe. He's a stoic we creature. We love him, but he's a he's a bit of he a stoic, stoic creature. He yeah. is stoic. Yeah, and it would be interesting to like delve into why that is. So maybe maybe that'll be our our next show. Uh, but baby, we have we have done what we always do on this program, which is uh, wander to and fro throughout uh, our emotions. And until next time, the Happy Rant is brought to you by Resonate Recordings. If you go to ResonateRecordings.com, you can see the full range of services they offer. So if you're considering starting a podcast, they are the ones we recommend going with. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see their prices, to connect with them and ask any questions, and to see what they can do to help you launch, edit, master, and improve your podcast. Again, go to ResonateRecordings.com to see what they can do to help you launch and improve your podcast. Hello, I'm Adam Comer. And I'm Ryan Chittister. And we are the host of Life After Addiction Podcast. What we believe is that addiction is not a surprise to God. That's right. We discuss addiction from a biblical worldview and how true freedom comes through a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Absolute freedom from addiction. The secular worldview of once an addict, always an addict is just not true. If you or someone you love struggles with addiction, subscribe to Life After Addiction at lifeaudio.com.